What happens when a chef, a critic, and a culinary writer get together for a totally unscripted conversation? Welcome to Three Ingredients, a show about the world of food. I'm Ruth Reichel, and I've spent my whole life writing about it. I'm Nancy Silverton, America's busiest chef, and the woman who made sourdough bread making a household obsession. And I'm Laurie Ochoa, General Manager of Food at the Los Angeles Times and Happy Tripe Eater. Because if you're going to eat meat, you shouldn't let the good parts go to waste. What do you eat for breakfast? Today we introduce you to what may be the strangest way to start the day. It's also the most delicious. Then we talk about our favorite condiments with odes to great balsamic vinegar, truffles, and vanilla in its many forms. And then, because we just can't help ourselves, we rag on one that none of us can stand. Lori shares a funny memory of her first foie gras. Ruth speaks wistfully of a great bourbon she could no longer afford, and Nancy goes hunting. This conversation is definitely gonna make you hungry. So pull up a chair and join us. By the way, all our episodes live over at threeingredients.substack.com, along with a bunch of bonus stuff, including written pieces and discussion threads. You can support the show there or sign up for free. So each episode of Three Ingredients lands right in your email. That's threeingredients.substack.com. I did this event last night with Massimo Vutura and Laura Gilmore about their new book, um, Slow Food, Fast Cars, at the 92nd Street Y in New York. And it was a great event. I mean, it was really fun. The conversation was lively. They were wonderful. I love the book. It's all about their art and their cars and their wonderful little sort of casa hotel with 12 rooms. Is it a coffee table-sized book? No, it's it's a usable book because it's got a lot of recipes in it, really nice recipes for a lot of breakfast because that's what they do yeah, there. Breakfast, exactly. Nancy, you are the one person who's actually stayed there. I have and, and um, had the breakfast. By the way, I've stayed there twice. Of course you have. <laughs> well, I've yeah. been there three times, but I've yeah. never stayed there. I've only been there twice, but I've never stayed there. <laughs> um, Oh, we're so competitive, us girls. <laughs> but I bet it's a beautiful book. Like, is it designed beautifully? Is it? It it is a, it the paper gorgeous? Is it the paper gorgeous? gorgeous? I mean, it, and it's beautiful. And there's art on every page. And you know, there's a whole thing about Ai Weiwei, and um, a whole other thing about uh, Dwayne Hansen, and it's about how they met. And it's it's wonderfully personal. But what I wanted to tell you, Lori, is that. In front of this audience of 400 people, you know, Massimo went on and on about the article you did about the tortellini that wanted to be a dumpling and, and how much he loved that article. Oh, that's so I great. I just read, yeah, I just read that article the other day and I was reminded because you and I, I think, had that, was it lunch together where yeah. we both got to see is it the tortellini that want that wanted to be a dumpling, or the tortellini that wants to be a dumpling is the name of the yeah. new dish, a newish <laughs> and dish? It's now. Such a beautiful, yeah, and it was such a beautiful, a beautiful dish, and only Massimo could make that 
type of a dish or that name of a dish actually tastes delicious that you don't wish you were eating a tortellini? Well, the the cool thing about it is that, you know, you mentioned Ai Weiwei, Ruth, and, you know, as Nancy and you know, when you walk into their that main parlor of Casa Maria, there are two giant Ai Weiwei pictures, and it's where he's dropping the priceless base and and you know and it just felt like that was a statement of purpose for Massimo where he loves to break things like the lemon tart oops i dropped the lemon tart you know it's his, one of his most famous desserts and uh you know putting things back together and i think he just did that with tortellini well he talks about it as actually throwing away old culture and using it I mean, that, that it's really important for him that Ai Weiwei is dropping this 2,000-year-old vase and that it means he's, you know, abandoning the old culture and using it to build something new and that he feels like it's very much what his cooking is. And then remember, you know, he was so taken with the broken gift that Michael Kerkorian handed him uh, a couple years back in... Uh, in Italy, and uh, it's now, by the way, because he showed us, it's uh, mounted on the wall, that piece. So it was a great collaboration, and it just, for him, he said, I prefer this version to the old. And well, should you I have say to what tell, that version? Yeah, you have to say what that is. Oh, okay, it has nothing to do with food, but it has to yeah. do with Massimo, and it has to do with everything that, the way Massimo thinks. Uh, a few years ago, Michael Kokorian, who I live with, we were in Modena and on our way to have a lunch at Massimo's, we stopped by a small collectible shop and they had all these tiny Ferraris and, you know, Massimo loves old cars, right? And so Michael bought him some prized edition of a small uh, Ferrari. And on his way to lunch, he dropped the bag and he picked up the bag and he didn't open it and we go to lunch and Michael was waiting for Massimo to show up in the room as he always does to greet us and he wanted to look inside the bag and get that Ferrari ready and he opened the bag and saw that it was completely broken and all spilled apart right and Michael just like turned white and said I ruined Massimo's present oh well this is destined <laughs> for the garbage and I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. You know what the next thing you need to do is. And he said, yeah, throw it away. And I said, no, oops, I dropped the Ferrari. <laughs> and it was like, yes. <laughs> and so what we had uh, a server do is on a plate, Michael put together all the pieces, the wheels and the steering wheel, and the, you know, dismantled on the plate and under a cloche so that when Massimo came into the room, he took off the cloche and there was this <laughs> dismantled Ferrari. And Michael said, oops, I dropped the Ferrari. And Massimo literally started pulling his hair out, <laughs> jumping up, dancing. You know, I love it. I love it. I love it. You know, it couldn't have been a more spontaneous, perfect gift. And that's like the third in the series that we're talking about. Oops, I dropped the lemon tart that he's so famous for. And I should probably clarify what that meant too, that um, I don't know how many years ago, because this has been a, 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 a classic, not a classic, but this has been a very 
Uh, this is on every menu of his is, oops, I dropped the lemon tart. And it stemmed from one of the, I think at the time, apprentices. It was a pastry He's, chef. And who is yeah, now Japanese. Ta- Japanese. Taka Kondo. Who is wow, now, you even know the name? Well, because I put it in the article, and he's oh. now in Florence at the Gucci, um, Massimo's oh. Gucci store. Yeah. Wow. Well, at the time of the naming of this dessert, he was, I guess, in pastry, very new, and in the tra- you know traditional Japanese mentality, really so focused and so wanting to do everything right. And he was carrying this lemon tart. And he dropped it and it broke apart and he was devastated. And I think as Massimo tells the story, he picked it up and said, oops, I dropped the lemon tart and served it that way. And now that tart with all of its components are now served as if it's broken and dropped. And he likes that story much better. Yeah. And isn't that how you cook? I mean, a lot of... A lot by accident. Is is that why you got, get along so well with him? Um, you, you break <laughs> rules. Bad, maybe, things. I, yeah. Break, but, but I think maybe when you say it without, knowingly, without knowing it, maybe the idea of being, t- being able to see the beauty in many, at, at many different levels, right? And not necessarily the most obvious. Right, like people, right. you know, say your your pizza crust is it's burned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Did Massimo cook the dinner last night, or was he, or or was he part I, of the planning of the? Where was no, it? No, they, no, it was at the grill, the former Four Seasons. Oh, wow. it nice. was very grand. Um, and he, his whole team came, and they they cooked, uh, you know, a bunch of, um, Francescana, uh you know, really, you know, famous dishes, um, uh-huh. including a few I'd never had before. I mean, one of the things they served that was so interesting is something they served for breakfast at Maria Luigi, Luigi which is um, Cotagino, the sausage. Oh, that's, oh, 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 oh. That's all I can say about that because that is the weirdest. When you see it and you're thinking, how can you possibly eat those two things together? Three Sorry, things. Sorry, three, and it's delicious. But um, so you can ex- it, it, explain. It's, it's, what, it's sausage, Cotagino, smoked sausage. But you got to say about the about Cotagino, which is usually served just around Christmas time, right? And it's a pork sausage, but it's made with equal parts sausage meat ratio to skin so there's a lot of skin chopped up in it which gives it the texture but you can imagine how much fat clings to that skin so this is an extremely fatty rich sausage that it's traditionally cooked and sliced into coins and put a lot um, and incorporated it together with lentils because it's the new year's luck you know, lentils and coins. We serve it every uh, just, year at our yeah. New Year's yeah. party. But when I saw what you're going to describe on your menu, it wasn't that I thought, who does he think he is? I know who he is, and I know that it wouldn't be there if it didn't work. But And he said this is how he used to eat it. So it's this incredibly rich, sticky sausage. Go Very on. sticky, yes. On, on a nut cookie, basically. Yeah. Well, that you know was- what it is. 
Go on. I sorry. No, I just, I just can't describe. You're it. exciting me so much. I can't. I just can't help myself. So it goes on a cookie, and it's a cookie that I have in my uh, one of my cookbooks. By the way, maybe we could tweak that recipe. I mean, maybe we could send that recipe out privately. It's called Brissolona, and it is a cookie that comes from northern Italy, in Mantua. And it, what Brissolona means, means to crumb, you know? And so basically, if you had to say, what is this like? It's almost like streusel, big hunks of streusel formed back into a cookie. And it's called Brissolona. And so you've yep. got this, this, so you've got this, this cookie and then, and the cookie is very crumbly. Yeah. And then, and then you've got this very unctuous sausage on top of that. Yeah. And then on top of that, you have Zablioni. Yeah. <laughs> Did you eat? So you ate that though, right, Ruth? Yes. Yes. Did and you so like they, it? I loved it. Yeah. They served it. They serve it as part of dessert, one of the two dessert courses. But at the hotel, they serve it for breakfast. Right. And and right. Rasmus That's what said, I'm jealous of. That's what I want to eat. <laughs> Nancy's oh yeah, no, this it. breakfast sound I mean, and all the food that they serve for breakfast, none of it is what you think of as traditional breakfast food. You know, one thing I have to just add to this this breakfast buffet, when you said that the reason was it Lori, is that what you said that maybe you and Massimo get along so well because you think alike. And I have to give you an example when you talk about Massimo's breakfast where we don't think alike, but hopefully I will start thinking alike, is this. So my story is, is that I had a beautiful cast iron pan and I cooked uh, in the wintertime when I go to Italy, I cook out of my wood burning stove a lot, right? And I use this cast iron pan. And a few years back, the handle just broke. And I'm like, all right, there goes my cast iron pan in the trash where everything else that breaks goes, right? A beautiful cast iron pan. First time I went to brunch there and they make the most beautiful display with their marmalades and their, their brisolona and coke tacchino and their frittatas and, and some of their cakes, right? Olive oil cakes and things like that. And there is a beautiful pan of roasted, um, it's this, this is in the summer. So it's apricots or peaches with fresh herbs served in a cast iron pan without the handle. And I'm like, Oh my. Where's my cast iron pan that I threw away because it was missing the handle? And Massimo serves right in that cast iron pan where his handle broke off as well. So I just. Well, you know, he is the king of throw nothing out. Yeah, he is. And that made me think when you're talking about the breakfast, because that's the other thing he does. He does this beautiful roasted stone fruit in the summertime. And it's simply roasted with honey. And um, some of it is with thyme branches. Other is with rosemary. But it's so beautiful, you know, just sitting on that simple table rather than, I don't know, usually what do we see? Just berries, right? This is just really beautiful roasted fruit because he has this wood-burning oven and he really likes to showcase it for brunch at Casa Maria. The other thing they're doing there now, I mean, we got a little tour of the construction. I guess, have you seen, been back there, Nancy? They opened a new kind of more casual restaurant that's all based kind of on those breakfasts, but the wood burning. Yeah, you know. I was just there. Now, I'm just trying to think why I was just there as part of a tour without you guys. 
they bought a you know a balsamic vinegar yeah factory yeah, next, next yeah. to the, the Achataya, and that's where Jessica now is working out of that kitchen, and that kitchen is supposed to be much more wood. It's going to be. They talk about it like a barbecue. Yeah, but I'm just, but I'm just curious. I was, I, I was just there. But I guess and, you guys weren't. I must have been. I, I think I was there for the summer, and I joined a tour that they were having, and so I got to see. It I went, almost I went completed, on that. and it's beautiful. You did too. Yeah, so you and I went. Yeah, we went on oh, the on, tour. Yes, of the, and we bought vinegar. Was, okay, but it was under construction still. Right. Yeah. Almost, almost ready though, and it is ready now. Yeah, and we got to see the vinegar, but it goes back to the baby food thing in a way because don't. Don't Italians also have, you know, as a gift, either as a wedding gift, I think you get a, a barrel and you, you, each family has their own balsamic, you know, they, they, there's a whole range of process of keeping the older barrels and the newer barrels and they change it out. And so each family is aging their own balsamic vinegar. Uh, no, not, but not, each not child. Not all Each of Italy. That, that's, no. that's well, in, in Modena. In, 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 it's, Mo- in, it's Modena. Yes. But yes. in Modena, but each child, when they're born, gets one. And so that vinegar is named after. Right. And they that gave child. us the Cesare when we were yeah. at Padroni, yeah. which was like yeah. 100 years old. Right. And, and I am so sad because mine is all gone. Your Padroni balsamic? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, the 100 year, you know, the one that costs like, I don't know, $700 or <laughs> yeah. something. And. It's so good, and I just, I was profligate it. with it. I, I used it all. Um, well, gone. you know, Leon was using some of it, you know, a little too loosely. But then I thought, you know, on the other hand, you know, there's so much food. Don't you guys have so much food that you think you, know, you save for the perfect moment? And I started thinking, you know, I, as I was going through and cleaning things out and thinking, well, that's not good anymore. And, th- you know, I, I kept thinking about all the foods we meant to eat. And and when you save things... You mean, like, are you saying more like condiments when you say foods? Well, anything. There could be a wine, a bottle, you know, a prized bottle of wine. Right. But, I mean, um, things that come in jars and things yeah, like and that. And things that come in yeah. jars. Yeah. And balsamic. Then not like, like fresh piece of steak that you've kept on for 20 years. No. <laughs> <laughs> you mean... <laughs> Because that's overaged. <laughs> that would be really aged. Uh, yeah. Um, no, I know. I, uh, and I thought, you know, let him, let him yeah. enjoy it. You know, I think, you know, yeah. we, we need to, we hang on to things too long sometimes. No, mm-hmm. I, I'm, t- I'm so with you. I mean, it's yeah. like, you know, how I feel about, you know, saffron, you know, is just use it. Don't, and then, you know, if you love it that much, buy some more. But that's how I think of those delicious, delicious uh, apple cider syrup and vinegar like that you introduced me to, which is like the most delicious. And to keep it just for that only that perfect salad rather than using it as an everyday vinegar, it's that same mentality. Right. On the other hand, yeah, I wouldn't. I want Leon to use that vinegar and appreciate it. I don't want him to throw it into just any old thing and so he he knows that but i do think if you're going to you know really taste the vinegar and padroni that vinegar is so fantastic it's so wonderful and i just you know I, when i had the white parmigiano i just wanted everyone to yeah. taste the vinegar on the white yeah, parmigiano yeah. and i was just i mean i was just sort of giving it away to people but 
you know, it's that thing that you want other people to experience yep. the joy of the food that gives you so much joy. Yep. Yeah. And balsamic is so good on Parmesan. You know, it's a great. But now I'm fighting with myself about, you know, should I buy another? <laughs> yes, you yes, should. Yes, you should. <laughs> I mean, it is really expensive. But, you know, they have a, a whole range of, of years. So, for instance, at the restaurant here, we use their 25 year. And it's affordable. Affordable meaning it's, I think, wholesale like 150 a bottle. But that's better than 650. Right. It is. You know, and yeah. so we, that's what we use to finish some of our pasta is that one. And, and I, now you're still making delicious. me think. You're making, you're making me think of my last bo- bottle of Poppy Van Winkle, the 23 right. year old. Oh, wow. Which is now like, I don't know, $15,000 or something if you can buy a bottle of it. And I just, mine is completely empty, but I can't throw the bottle out. <laughs> what did you it's pay for? Bragging rights. No, That's it was a gift, probably. That one was a gift. Wow. Um, what a gift. Marcus Samuelson gave it to me, actually. I did some event with him, and he, then he sent me this amazing bottle of bourbon. But I actually discovered that bourbon, bef- like when I was pregnant with Nick. So, right before I got pregnant with Nick, so like 35 years ago. And no, I mean, Steve Wallace just gave me some to taste and I fell in love with it and bought a case of it for a case. I, not very much money. I bought a case because yeah. I liked it so much. And then, of course, I got pregnant, so I couldn't drink it for another year. So I had that case for, oh, I don't know, probably 10 years before it was all gone. Nice. And that so was it, when, it didn't cost $15,000 know, a bottle then. No, no, I think it cost like $25 a bottle. It it wasn't precious until suddenly there was this cult of Pappy Van Winkle. And then, of course, the factory, somebody stole it all and there was no more. And suddenly it was astronomical. Should we talk about Petroni a little bit? Like what, you know, Nancy, did you go there first or did Jonathan go there first? No, no. Oh, no, we, you and I and Jonathan and Mark went because yes. we were using our Bible, Faith Willinger's Eating Italy. That was our Bible on that trip that, that the four of us took. And that was a stop along the way. And that was our first time there. Um, and that was the first time that I realized that Italian restaurateurs could tell you what to do, meaning they could tell you <laughs> to leave your phone in the cubby before you enter the restaurant, that they didn't have red well, wine. We didn't have, we didn't have phones then. Oh, okay. So then that they didn't have red wine. They only had Lambrusco. There wasn't a menu. We'd get what they gave you. And no, you cannot have cappuccino after your lunch. Nancy, she said cappuccino. And he said, no. And she said, macchiato? <laughs> No, no. <laughs> Cafe. See. And he's still alive and still in still working. We didn't go there on our last couple trips, our last trip. We did one trip. I went twice. So you yeah, probably we went, went three twice. times. Yeah, we went three times. You went twice. And they gave us just such a knowledgeable tour of the vinegar. I felt like of all the vinegar, balsamic vinegar tours that I've been on, and I've been on a few, that that was the most informative. I just learned so much about the process, you know, and why it costs what it costs and how little the yield is and how much attention it takes. And how many years. Yeah, exactly. 
then and, and it's moving like, you know it what? from barrel to barrel. Yeah, it, I'll, I'll pay for all that because you know it, the the return is so slow. You know, and that's I got to say the same with you know truffles. I went truffle hunting. Uh, well, twice in the last month, I was lucky enough two little bit different experiences, both really, really, I thought valuable and give you a whole nother appreciation for the cost. You know, some of these luxuries, luxurious products, right? I hate to say it, are worth the price and it has nothing to do with the packaging. So were you, <laughs> were you doing white truffles or black truffles? Or this both? was white truffles because it was white truffle season, you know, and they're harder to find. They're harder to grow. And I mean that in the sense that both of these truffle hunting trips were done on privately owned property where the farmers could actually try to grow the perfect climate to attract white truffles. So it's like the difference between, so it's not like we went on some random forest and are searching for truffles. We are on an area where the right trees are there, the right streams of water run through, the right uh, amount of sunlight comes out, you know, all the right things. You can't be guaranteed where they are, but it's kind of like the difference between being in the um, on a wild game reserve safari and one that's just in open land. In a wild game reserve, you're guaranteed to find, to see animals. But it's not like they're tamed circus animals. These are wild animals that are allowed to live in their habitat. And this is the same as, um, you know, truffles. If it's a privately owned field or farm or acres, you're probably guaranteed to, yes, you will find some truffles, but it's not that it's easy to find them. You know, um, I was at Blackberry Farm again. We're, we're going like, I don't know, 15 years ago. And um, they were determined to raise truffles there. And they raised truffle dogs, but... <laughs> they, they, yeah, and then they, they raised truffle yeah. dogs because they were raising the truffles. But it kind of pleases me that it never worked out. You know, I mean, they 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 you know, had the right trees and the climate and they brought all these people in and then they brought people in to raise the right dogs and then everybody wanted the dogs. So they had a business selling the dogs. But I kind of love the things that will not be tamed. Yeah. 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 It's like lilacs. I love lilacs so much because nobody has ever figured out how to grow a hothouse lilac, right? I mean, you, you know, you get lilacs in the spring and then they're over. And sort of like lavender. I mean, lavender does not have the smell. And I believe me, I planted a whole front yard full of lavender. It doesn't have the same aroma as it does in Provence, right? Right. Yes. Not exactly. at all. It just doesn't have that. It has next to no aroma in right. Los Angeles. Right. Yeah. And I just, I just love those, uh, those. Things that resist being civilized, um, you know, marching to our tune instead of their own. You know, the truffles will come where they want to come, when they want to the, come in the fall, and there's nothing you can do to, you know, make them do what you want them to do. And and you know, I love that. 
Although people try. I mean, that's why we see so much of the that darn truffle oil that people will put <laughs> on all kinds of stuff. You know, it's not, it's kind of not You know, pure. I wanted to ask the, the truffle hunter if, because, you know, what that truffle hunter is doing is uh, is following the, not the instinct of the dog, but the dog that is trained, you know, to find these truffles. And by the way, supposedly truffle dogs only grow up on truffles when they're puppy, you know, that's all they're fed, just like the dried rabbit <laughs> powder. Um, they, they, they are grown up on, you know, on bits of truffles and that's where they, st- you know, start their, their life. But besides that, I wanted to ask him if you took a bottle of truffle oil and poured it into the dirt, how would that dog react? Would that dog oh. have the same reaction as we do, which is, <laughs> oh, you know, or would it start madly going crazy? That's really interesting. I'm sure the dog would say, no, 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 no. Yeah, this is this artificial. Is, this, is, this is not the real thing. Take so why, why do so many restaurants want to do the truffle oil thing? You know, the first time I ever had truffle oil, and after having it, and, th- you know, and saying, oh, my God, I love it. I think it was the last time I loved truffle oil. And the first time I ever had it, and I think Ruth will know this restaurant. It was called La Madre, and it was uh, Pino Longo's Oh, Pino Longo, yeah. And do you remember his focaccia that he was so famous for? So he would make this very thin disc of, let's say, focaccia or pizza dough or something, very, very thin. And he would split it in half uh, horizontally, and he would slather on, I don't know, maybe it was robiola. I'm not sure. I, th- it w- I think it was robiola. Drizzle it with truffle oil and sandwich it back together and put it back in the oven to warm up. And people went nuts for that focaccia. And that was my first introduction to truffle oil. And it actually worked. I mean, I'm not sure if it was because my palate was very unsophisticated at that time. Maybe there was a better quality of truffle oil. Maybe the drizzle was more restrained. But I remember thinking, that is brilliant, truffle oil and robiola. Well, I, I think there there is probably some truffle oil that's actually made with real truffles and is okay. Because, you know, we do, you know, to some people, they could think that's equally bad. I don't find it bad, and I don't know how real it, you know, real it is or kosher it is, but... You know, one of those uh, things that we do at the restaurant all the time and people really love, we call them love sticks only because people love them, but they're a breadstick that we slather in a truffle butter. The truffle butter is made with just uh, butter and truffle salt. And then we wrap it in prosciutto. And it's wonderful, but I'm sure there has to be a little bit of Weird truffle essence in the truffle salt, don't you think? Or is it just I, bits of truffle? I don't think truffle? so. I, I think they truffle probably... Truffle salt's okay? I, I, I have liked truffle salt. salt I have had okay. like expensive, yeah. good truffle salt. Uh-huh. And I think they just bury a lot of truffles in the uh-huh. salt. And it and does. It really does give it flavor. I mean, do you think there would be a use for truffle oil ever that I, I've... I don't know. No. No. I mean, it's <laughs> such a turnoff. Right. It, it's such a turnoff now. I mean, when you just say it, it I just I, I start to gag. Right. Yeah. I, but, it has that kind of reflex for me now. Yeah, really. For me, too. But you know what you're reminding me of a few years ago? I think it was um, Cook's Illustrated. 
did a vanilla taste test. And they ended up saying that artificial vanilla was better, that they tasted blind. They all liked artificial vanilla better than real vanilla. And I actually thought, okay, I'm going to go out and buy some. And I thought, are these people crazy? (laughs) I mean, it was horrible. Oh, well. But I recently, I'm trying to see where I saw this recipe that included real vanilla and artificial vanilla to make- As two different ingredients? I mean, two different- different, As two different ingredients in a recipe that said, you know, you need both. It was just in the last week. It it was- What could it have been? Oh, my Um, book. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But would you talk a little bit about vanilla paste? Because you taught- you recommend vanilla paste? Well, I I recommend it, and it's sort of newer on the market than pure vanilla extract. So uh, I don't know how long it's been around, but it wasn't around in my baking days. In my baking days, we had the choice of vanilla bean or pure vanilla extract, um, and not the artificial one. So uh, when vanilla beans first came on the market. I mean, the first time I really saw them was in 1979 at Michael's restaurant. There was a somebody that I kind of befriended that worked at that restaurant. It was a white restaurant, Pacific Coast Highway. He was working there and he brought me these vanilla beans because he had just been to Tahiti and brought them back. And I just flipped over the idea of these this big, soft, juicy pod that you split and you scrape oh, that on the A really good vanilla bean is yeah. one of the great joys of life. I mean, when they're really soft... Yeah, and fragrant, and not not and those long smell, hard no, things that we no, get, but yep. Um, and the aroma of them is just—it's heaven. I love the smell of vanilla. Yep. I love vanilla. But what you always missed from pure vanilla extract is it didn't have any of the bean, any of the the seeds, the pot, you know, right? Any visual flex, which is always so much more beautiful, especially like in a vanilla ice cream, a vanilla bean ice cream, when you see all the flecks of the of the pod. So vanilla bean paste has all those flecks. Um, I also like that it's not so watery. It's much more concentrated that I just prefer everything about it, but it also is more expensive. And but it was called, ch- by the way, that white restaurant was called Les Anges. Oh, I remember Les Anges. Yeah. So he worked there and he brought me vanilla beans from Tahiti. That was, I think I had used them before, that dried version that was very hard to even scrape out those, those, the pod. I had those before. I never had a plump one that was from Tahiti. And that's what was kind of life changing. Yeah. And I just think, I mean, I've never used vanilla paste, but, you know, scraping out the inside of a vanilla pot. It tastes yeah. so much better than using vanilla extract. It just, yes, it transforms it everything. Yeah. So does I've never worked. I've never used vanilla yeah. paste. Does vanilla paste work like that? Yeah, it does. Where do you it get? Does. Where do you it, get it? it. <laughs> you can we get it say. now. Well, first of all, of course, online you can get anything online. But any when I say like any well-stocked baking supply places, I would say like Surface in Los Angeles. I don't know what the equivalent to Surface is. In New York, like there's a place called New York Cake and Baking. I bet they have it. Um, there's a lot of uh, producers of vanilla bean paste, but certainly online, you know. Well, any any day now in your supermarket, I hope, because I after reading your book, I went looking for it in the supermarket, and it's oh, not they there did. Okay. yet. Not yet, but I imagine it will be. Uh huh. 
So going back to truffles for a second, did you, do you guys remember those, um, I, I don't know if I would ever, if I would like them anymore, but my first truffle experience was those little sandwiches in Florence. On the Procatabone. Yeah. Yes. On the, on the Procatabone, right? Yeah. 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 I love that place. Yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah, I, I haven't, that was something I had when I very first went to Florence and I don't, I haven't gone back there. So I don't know. Is that one thing that you, I have? You, you, is it still good? Is it? You know what? It's nostalgic. You know, it's like if you had this sort of this a nostalgic feeling to high tea at a certain hotel in London, would it be as good as you remembered? And I think the the ceremony of it is in those little sandwiches and ordering of it. Is it the best version of a little sandwich? I think that's probably questionable. Right. But they're so beautiful. I mean, but they I, are. I was also thinking about the first time I ever had foie gras, which, you know, Jonathan and I went to Spain. Um, Franco had died, but, but it was kind of like this, you know, explosion of culture. And we hadn't had a lot of experience eating in, you know, expensive restaurants. So we went to this restaurant in, in Madrid and it was so old fashioned that the, the man got the menu with the prices and <laughs> I got the menu with no prices. <laughs> and I see on the menu, foie gras. I've never had that before. And the look on John's face. Did you know face, how to pronounce it? I don't know. <laughs> but then do I still know how to pronounce Was it? Was it like, Quiche? <laughs> what were you? <laughs> but I'll the, have the foie gras. The foie gras. Yeah. Gras. Foie gras. When I went to order, Jonathan was like, no, because we didn't have. <laughs> and, That's funny. But we, but it was no, too late. No, she doesn't want that. <laughs> we ordered it. I mean, it came, but we didn't have enough money after cause, to, to take a taxi back. So we walked back, but it was like, I was very happy. <laughs> well, I tell you, my, my ultimate truffle experience was being in a kitchen with Anna Ducasse, who had this big black truffle. It was huge. And he just started slicing it and spreading butter on top of it and feeding it to me. And I thought, I don't think I can ever eat truffles again, because these... It'll never be better than this. You know, it was just like this this crisp truffle with the butter on, but really good butter on top. And it's just, and as much as I could possibly eat. Now, you guys, though, were just eating together where you posted something on Instagram, Ruth, where I was very jealous. I just saw someone who, who was shaving all that truffle on your on your pasta. You were both together. You and Nancy that, and Robin ate together. Yeah, right? it was and, at Resdora. It was at Resdora, and Stefano, the chef yeah. there, used to work with Nancy, yeah. and he's from and Modena and Massimo. And, Mas and it's a it's a wonderful restaurant. And he, I mean, we ordered kind of modestly. Nancy ordered every vegetable on the mm -hmm. menu. Robin ordered the beef cheek on polenta. And I ordered um, the raviolo. They do a big raviolo with an egg inside. And then he brought us these tortellini and he just started shaving the white truffle on it. And 
it was so luxurious and the aroma was so wonderful. Um, and those are the only white truffles I've had this year. Hmm. God, that sounds so good. It was really good. Production services for three ingredients are provided by Voltage. It is produced by J.E. Peterson and edited and mixed by Ness Smith-Savadoff. The music for this show was provided by Alex Mastronardi and Richard Farrell. Before you go, don't forget to join us at threeingredients.substack.com if you haven't already. It's a great place to ask your burning culinary questions, share your own food stories, and meet other people obsessed with food. We love hearing from you. Thanks again, and keep cooking.